Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Maxi Glamour has long been one of St. Louis's most high-profile drag performers. Now the self-described demon queen of polka and baklava is being introduced to a much bigger audience. Maxi was chosen to star in the third season of the Boulet Brothers' Dragula. first episode of the horror-themed reality drag show premiered yesterday on Amazon Prime Video. Here to discuss this newfound national stardom is Maxi Glamour. Maxi, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thank you. You were a fan of Dragula even before you got cast. What about this show caught your eye? Um, I just really like how it focused on the counterculture of queer art. I think a lot of times we're we as queer folk are trying to assimilate into mainstream society and so a lot of the art that is made for us is resemblant of that and so i like how um dragula really focuses on the grittiness and like the the forgotten heroes of queer culture and just the the freaks that we all are on the inside it is so over the top (laughs) yes it is over the top and definitely under the bottom as well (laughs) Yeah, that, what, that's one way to put it. How did you catch their eye, I guess, more importantly? I, I'm actually still shocked I did. Um, I think, you know, they told me they really liked the way I dance. Um, and so I think my dancing and maybe my, like, advocacy in the groups um, here in the St. Louis, you know, I'm really, like, vocal about progressive actions and I'm really here for queer and black liberation. I think, you know that nationally might have caught some attention. Did you have to audition or did they come and find you? I did audition. Um, I put in a pretty good tape, I suppose. Um, I mean, it must have been good. They picked you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah, they picked me. and I put in a tape. My boyfriend helped me film it and we did it in one day. And it was embarrassing. So I'm not going to release it. But um, tell us what made it embarrassing. Uh, I filmed it in one day, and I didn't know how to edit videos. But okay, that yeah, that can be problematic. <laughs> yes. And were you just begging them to put you on the show, or trying to show off what you could do? I didn't beg. <laughs> <laughs> Important distinction. No, I um I showed them some of my acrobatics, and I was like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is why I want to be here, and this is why I think I can compete for the crown. And then did they come interview you? What what happened from there? It was a long process of a lot of phone interviews and Skype interviews and evaluation tests. And, like, they wanted to know what I thought about it. I'm not supposed to tell all of this, but <laughs> you get a little sneak peek here on NPR. <laughs> <laughs> now, reality TV, once you get on the show, sometimes that's when things even get harder. It can be really harsh. Let's give a listen to one of the judges' critique in episode one. So, Maxie, I just had a couple of questions looking at your outfit, and I could see that you started with this Terminator slash Borg sort of contraption on your head, but what I couldn't quite figure out is why you didn't carry that through the entirety of your look. The rest of it is so delicate compared to what's happening up here. And Maxie Glaver, here's your response in the confession booth. (laughs) They didn't really get my references. Um, You know, I made everything out of cardboard and I was like, this looks great. And then looking around the room, I was like, this looks like garbage. 
but there's still a lot of work in it and you know I don't have a lot to work with and my resourcefulness came in and that's what I made. That's Maxie Glamour on the new show, The Boulet Brothers, Dragula. Maxie, when the experts don't get it, does that make you question yourself? You know, I think that, you know, one thing that is really important in the show is that art is subjective. And I think that some people aren't going to get your references. Some people aren't going to see what you see into things. And I think most people reduce things to what they already know. And if they have... Um, if they're limited in some aspects to exposure of references or culture or certain things, you know, they're not going to understand where it came from and why you did it. And, you know, I don't think that I was hurt wholly by the fact they didn't get it. I was like, well, maybe I'll just have to relate it to them in another way. Or like maybe like in the future, I have to make sure that my references are a little bit more palatable to those that are judging me. Now, you combined this very powerful Terminator sort of look, this is all in episode one, with a lacy cape and boot design. How did that costume reflect your particular approach to drag? Um, well, I really, really, really love anime. And I love, like, Dragon Ball Z. And there was definitely elements of, like, Saiyan princes and, like, the Ginyu Force. And just, like, how you can be tough and, like, weird and creepy, but then still, like, want to be elegant. Because, like, sometimes bad guys want to wear lace. <laughs> That's I, I know that feeling. We don't want to give away too much of the season, but now that the first episode has dropped, we've got to ask this. What is it? What was it like not only to jump out of a plane, but to have to do it in drag? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it was one of the scariest things that I have done in my life, quite frankly. Um, being in drag, I think, actually gave me a little bit more confidence in there um, because I was like, I have got my, my armor on. I've got like, you know, whenever I'm in drag, I, I feel like almost invulnerable to the world because I'm like, you can't hurt me. I'm a drag queen. You were in your persona, I not was. just yourself. Um, they're, like, they're the same person, but I just feel like a little bit, I feel a little bit more glamorous when I've got three pounds of makeup on. And, you know... I blacked out. There was a split second from when I was on the plane and from when I was in the sky that like my memory doesn't have any recollection of. Like I cannot I don't I don't remember. I I like look at that the film and I was like, "Oh, I don't remember that." And you looked absolutely terrified at the at the moment where you first went hurtling out of this plane. The look on your face, it was like all artifice had dropped and we were looking at pure terror. Yeah, I saw I saw Deadpool 2 when they <laughs> When they were parachuting from the sky and they got caught in this electric line, so I'm like, I'm going to get electrocuted. These people are going to be shook. <laughs> and yet it didn't It didn't end that way at all. You ended up landing safely. Yes, yes. And I, again, I don't want to give anything away here, but the fact that you were willing to do that, it seems like it really did help propel you in the show. Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, I was afraid. Both Violence and I were terribly afraid of going on this. I think That she, was your other competitor. Yeah, she, she's an amazing drag queen from Boston and we... We went in this challenge together. We were in the bottom, and I was the one who could go through with it. And I'm the first person on Dragula to do an extermination challenge by myself. Wow. So that is a claim to fame. I guess. You're going to go down in Wikipedia. Yes. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about the show. Where were they filming it? How big of a time commitment was it? Um, so we filmed in Los Angeles, and it was about six weeks um, wow. of isolation from reality, it seemed. You know, there were days where I was 
locked in a studio, couldn't see anyone, couldn't see anything. There was no cell phones. I couldn't text people. I had to tell everyone that I was in Paris. I was like, I told all my friends and family back home. I was like, I'm in Paris studying abroad to do an art residency. And here you are a St. Louis native. You tell people you're going to Paris. Did people believe that? Yes, actually, you know, there were a lot of people that believed it. And ironically, I got contacted by my friend from the Pulitzer to do an art residency program in Paris while I was pretending to be at an art residency in Paris. That's some great irony. So now are you headed to Paris to do an art residency? Um, well, right now I'm trying to focus. I'm doing a cross-country tour with the Boulets, and I'm doing a lot of traveling here in the States. Um, next year, I'm trying to, in Norway, if there's any drag up there. Wow. You've got some big plans here. Now, drag can seem, I think to the uninitiated, it can seem very frivolous. It's this idea that it's just dress up. How do you see this as creating social change? I think that, yes, it is dress up. I think that expression and dressing up are synonymous. I think that like there are days when you want to feel a little bit more beautiful or days that you don't care if you look ugly and like you want to look the best ugly you can. And I think taking that and reowning who you are and using that as a form of confidence to showcase to other people that you can be confident however you are and then using your voice after you know, you get to a place where people are focusing on you and using your voice to be like, hey, not only should you be who you are, maybe you should encourage others more to be who they are, or maybe you should be who you are in spaces where there aren't anyone like that and make sure that people that are weird and people that are deviating from the norm are in places of power and in places where change is needed. In terms of deviating from the norm, there was an absolute firestorm last March when you went grocery shopping in South St. Louis in drag and a security officer kicked you out. And Schnooks ended up telling the security guards that they were not welcome going forward. Do you think that points to a sea change in how mainstream society now views drag? People took your side. Yeah, um, I, I was I was I was angry at that night. Um, but the day after, I was like, holy moly. Like, there were literally calls from all over the world, the drag queens saying, like, hey, this is not okay, you know? I was just a drag performer that left a gig that paid me money to get food, and then I used that money to go get food, and they told me that I could not do that. And I was like, I'm not a threat. I have my ID. I have, like, go to my website. This is who I am. Like, don't try to, like, say I'm trying to rob you. I think... I don't know what they thought. <laughs> um, when you were a kid growing up in St. Louis, Max Wright was oh, God. your legal name. Um, and <laughs> now you've gone to do Drag Queen Story Hour at the library. If you'd known when you were a little kid just that drag would be not only welcome but celebrated right here in the Midwest, do you think that would have changed your childhood? Um, maybe. You know, I know when I was a kid that I wanted to be, like, I wanted to be on TV and I wanted to act and I wanted to, like, I, I remember practicing bowing in front of people and pretending that they would, uh, they would, they were cheering up whatever I was doing. It might have been prophetic, um, but I don't know. I, I know that when I was a kid, I wanted to play with Barbies, and every time there was McDonald's toys, there was the Hot Wheels and the like, the Pretty Swan Princesses, and I was like, I want both of those. And now you've got that. I've got it both. And now you're on TV. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I am. We've got time for one last quick question, but it's the one I have to ask. Your persona is the demon queen of polka and baklava. Why those two things? 
Um, I think it kind of ties into like people not really getting my references. People aren't ever gonna like things as much as that you like them. Um, and polka is so weird. It's so weird. Like people don't understand it. And but like really, polka is part of the counterculture. Like if you look at like romantic era, like polka is what changed music from being classical and it kind of brought it to a new element and it also transcends cultural boundaries because polka isn't just a Polish thing. You've got Mexican polka, you've got Japanese polka, you've got Finnish polka um, and and baklava is just really sweet. <laughs> Maxi Glamour, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. The first episode of the third season of Boulay Brothers Dragula, it's now streaming on Amazon Prime if you want to check out Maxi. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.